Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Be sure to watch The Red Road, starring Jason Momoa, Martin Henderson, Julianne Nicholson, and Tom Sizemore, returning for season two, Thursday, April 2nd, 10, 9 central, only on Sundance TV. And for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, I'm excited to have on the show a comedy writer, producer, and all-around person who makes other people laugh. Uh, she's written for Mind of Mencia, Ellen, Arsenio Hall, and one of my all-time favorites, Wipeout. Yes, the show with the big red balls. Uh, she's also an actor and performer whose first job out of college was doing musical theater at an Amish theater company in Indiana. So let's ask her all about it. I'm thrilled to have on today, uh, Cece Pleasance. Thanks for coming on, Cece. Thank you so much for having me. What a fun intro. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. <laughs> excited to have you and to talk about all kinds of stuff comedy because uh, that's what you do. So what I well. do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And generally, we start off our interviews with, you know, the general get to know you chit chat. But really, before that, I have to ask, what's the deal? I heard women are not supposed to be funny. I think it was Ted Cruz who said that, or maybe it was Obama, I'm not uh-huh. sure. But I know I heard it somewhere. So what's the deal? Well, because I've known you for all of three days. And by known you, I mean we've communicated by email. But I know you're right, definitely right. very funny. Oh, that's really nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, women have a hole at the bottom where all the funny falls out. Okay. So that's sort of why that myth came around. But like, there have been advances in technology. Some of us keep wood shavings up there and stuff like that like so nice. that we can retain our um our sense of humor uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um does that answer your question <laughs> um it does it does the, the sawdust okay, was actually at the perfect answer is kind of what i was expecting um no yeah. but is, is... I, I mean that's a perception for sure in in the biz, in the showbiz um but but i i don't think it's true at all um i think it's <laughs> Like like anything right. <laughs> that Ted Cruz says. Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I'm not sure where that comes from. I think um, I guess women is just like uh, women are, weren't drama writers, or, or or they were, but then they weren't, and and you know we kind of live in in a very male society, and and men use humor to attract ladies and stuff like that and so women are kind of supposed to be quiet and pretty and not talk about farts or anything so right <laughs> uh but but we do uh, and that's all that's all coming to light now so right. um i think it's great yeah well i mean talking about women not being funny because that's really the subject we're on right now um no but uh-huh. is it is it tougher being a female comedy writer with the perception that women aren't funny is it harder to get work or is that just some sort of like urban legend like Um, spiders growing inside the ladies beehive hairdo and stuff like it's just something that's thrown (laughs) around but it doesn't really happen in the industry oh my gosh i've never had spiders in my beehive (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah i mean it it is harder It, it is always like um a little bit of a approving yourself you know, when you go into a new writer's room and a lot of times you're the only, I, most of the time I'm the only lady, uh, in comedy writing rooms. Um, it's getting, it's getting better. Like we're, there are more, there are more women and in, in just in my personal experience, there are more women writing comedy and variety, but, but variety and late night and stuff like that is still kind of the last bastion of the all male, uh, white writers. Room. <laughs> um, so, so there is kind of a, a feeling for women when you when you go into a new writer's room that you have to prove that you're as funny as men, regardless of you know what your resume says or, or how long you've been doing this or whatever. You still kind of feel like you know 
you have to prove yourself to the 22 year old kid who this is his first job, but you're like, mm-hmm. but, but I can do, you know, <laughs> which is, which is dumb and terrible. And I hope that that, um, I, I hope that that fades. And, and I think it is actually, I think, um, like Twitter, uh, things like that have helped a lot because women can, can get out there. I, I think, um, you know, people tend to work with, uh, who they know and white men kind of run the industry and run late night. And, you know, as we know, and, um, and so they, they know white men and they hire white men. And, and so I think like now that we have all of this great social media out there, women are being heard more and, and people are saying, Oh, women are just as funny. if not funnier or on the same level as, as men certainly. And, and, uh, and they're getting hired based on, you know, what they're putting on the internet and stuff like that. So that's, I think that's super helpful. And I think we're more aware of it now. And I think there's more of a conversation about it. Um, Starbucks baristas aren't writing it on their cups yet, but right. <laughs> I, think, like, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's something that people are talking about. And, and I think that's really leading to there being more females in variety writers rooms which is great mm-hmm. and you just threw down the gauntlet too because i heard you say that women are funnier than men just now so <laughs> i um, think they can be i yeah. think I, it just depends like it, it, we're just all humans you know and some humans are funnier than other humans and so <laughs> by <laughs> by that logic there will be some women who are funnier than men you know sure it's, well, it's, i thought you meant just uh, as a gender in general Oh, no, I don't know. I think I think we all have the potential to be as funny as we can be. Um, <laughs> to be, be equim. What's the word? What's the word I'm thinking of? Equim. Equi. Never mind. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. All things being equal. Yes. Um, men and women are just as funny. Yes. Are, pound, you know, pound for pound. Pound for pound. Tina Fey is as funny as any other human being on the planet. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. She may be a lot funnier than some people. Yeah, a lot funnier than most people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, okay, so we've got that out of the way. Uh, women can be funny if they pl- if they plug the hole up with sawdust, got that whole right. straightened out. Um, right. And uh, so, okay, let's get to know you a little bit. I know that you are from Mechanicsville, Virginia, which I just found out exists. And yes, <laughs> uh, you got your first job out of AMDA musical theater. You studied musical theater at AMDA, and right out of school, you were doing musical theater at an Amish farm, which is awesome i want to talk about that um what kind of drove you into uh working in the industry and being funny for money kind of thing um (laughs) i like i like that because it rhymes Um, (laughs) i you know actually musical theater kind of drove me into comedy um because it is pretty funny uh, <laughs> no, um, I, no, I went to school for musical theater at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. And then I, um, like the first, the first job that I got out of that was, um, at a place called Amish Acres in Napanee, Indiana, which is a, which is a lovely place and not to badmouth it at all, but we, we all lived together in a, um, a cast house. All the musical theater people lived together and people that did the, the, the shows there. Um, and, and it was just like, it was sort of a taste of what was to come if I were to stay with musical theater as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just spent, you know, my time in college studying musical theater and thinking this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm surrounded by people who sing all the time. And that's 
great, but it's also tough. And <laughs> I don't know if I, if this is what I want to do. And, and I'd always sort of, I, I had always used humor to um, overcome like my shyness and whatever. And so, and I had had people say you should do stand up, which a lot of people have heard people say that. And some of them, most of them are not dumb enough to actually do it, but I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did, I decided to, um, go back to New York and, and try some stand up. And from there I started doing some sketch comedy and, and writing a lot. And, and that was kind of where I figured out that my favorite thing of, of all of the things that I did performing and, um, and writing was, was writing ultimately like that. I, that I really liked writing and even writing jokes for other people who were doing stand up because then I didn't have to go do stand up. So that was great. <laughs> Did that answer your question? I can't even remember what the original question was. Um, yeah, no, it does. I mean, it was just trying to figure okay. out how you made your way into... Uh, how I did this. Yeah, and getting right. paid, and yeah. why you did it, and getting... So how did you get your first comedy job? Um, because that's something that we've first... never really talked about on the show. Yeah, oh, okay. Um, my first comedy writing job came from... Um, I did a... Uh, oh, sorry. Goes my dog. No, okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let me. I'll start over. Um, my first comedy job came from um, indirectly from a sketch show that I wrote and was performing in um, with a with a, my sketch comedy partner at the time, Katie Massa Kennedy, who's a very funny comedian, and um, she's about to be on Last Comic Standing. Uh, mm-hmm. And sh- uh, someone, a producer for a show, saw a TV show, saw us performing, and asked us to write. Uh, a packet, like submit a packet for this show on oxygen that no one has ever seen or heard of, but um, it was called clued in and it was a, a comedy game show for young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were young women and, and we did comedy. So um, yeah, so we, we wrote a submission and, um, and got a job, uh, a very low paying job <laughs> <laughs> on a, on a television show that no one saw, but it was, I mean, it was great because it sort of, that was that was a great way to kind of break in because it it wasn't you didn't have the terror of being uh, watched by too many people you know <laughs> right <laughs> we weren't we didn't like come into a hit show where everybody knows what they were doing it was just like a bunch of, you know it was basically like a bunch of kids like come on gang let's put on a show and yeah and, uh, and, and so it was a really great learning experience and and definitely I'll always be grateful to. Uh, the lady that hired us, her name is Lisa Recksteiner, and she's a producer and brilliant uh, person who um, is in New York doing lots of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's how that works. It, it's I think variety is probably different than mm-hmm. um, any any other kind of like script scripted television where you have a script that you send around. Uh, with this, it's like you basically have to write uh, a new packet, a new submission for every show. Um, really? And the Writers Guild, yeah, yeah, um, because everything's different and everybody's humor is different and, you know, the hosts are all different in their voices and whatever, so you can't just send them, like, um, 10 jokes that you wrote on Twitter or whatever. You have to put something into their voice. Um, and the Writers Guild has, like, sort of cracked down on that a little bit, and I think um, people are supposed to get paid for that, but they don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a pain. It's one of those things that's like a little bit of a, of a pain in the ass, but we all do free work to get more paid work. So sure. Kind of sure. Goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, for example, getting a job on a show like Mind of Mencia or writing for Arsenio Hall or a Wipeout. How do you, like you say, you put together a packet. What does that entail for a show like Arsenio um, or Wipeout or whatever? Well, like Arsenio um, was just writing jokes kind of in in his voice. He wasn't on the air when I, um, when I did that packet and... Um, so that was a little tougher because you couldn't like just go watch and see like how he talked or whatever. But um, but I tried to just think about, you know, how he might think and watch some of his old stand up and stuff like that. And, and you watched Coming to write... America like 15 times. I had already watched Coming to America. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Okay. Yeah, it totally holds up, too. It's mm-hmm. still brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's basically like just a bunch of monologue jokes and then a bunch of bits. So, you know, on on um on all late night shows there are bits like Jimmy Fallon's mm-hmm. Thank You Notes or Jimmy Kimmel's um Lie Witness News or you know, whatever. So you so you have to come up with a bunch of those things because you're doing daily television, they need a million of them and, and uh so you yes, yeah, so you write like fifteen monologue jokes and ten bits. Mm-hmm. Um and that's and that's what you send in. Do and they, then for, for Wipeout t- it was a little different because it was like a um you had to take that was that show already existed when mm-hmm. I started writing. I was I started the second season and and they sent like a, a run of um, people falling down <laughs> <laughs> or falling off big balls or whatever, yes. and you just had to write jokes off of what you saw nice. on the screen. So yeah. Um, now, do they tell you what they want specifically? Like for example. Conan, if you were writing for his specific segments, they want three jokes for this segment and uh, two jokes for that segment, 10 for this, 10 for a monologue. Uh, or do they just kind of say, write some jokes in for his show style, go and kind of you come yeah, up. Yeah, a, a lot of them are being like kind of coy and casual about it now because <laughs> like I said, I think because they I don't want to pay you pay for these. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, so like, it'll be like, Hey, could you just send some jokes and some bits maybe, you know, (laughs) it's it's really funny. Um, but yeah, I think the kind of the standard is like 10 jokes, 10 bits or, or, you know, 10 jokes, eight bits or, you know, whatever, like usually like you write at least 10, you want to fill up a page with jokes and just show that you can, you know, write topical jokes and stuff like that. And then right. also show that you have great ideas for new bits. Right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, and knowing that you're not getting paid, do any of these jokes show up and you don't get a job? Like you, you watch Ellen and um, like, hey, that was my joke. I sent that in yeah. and I did not get hired. <laughs> and that's also my joke. And does that happen? Uh, I, I think... It's, I definitely heard people complain about that. And I've definitely seen like stuff that I wrote in packets on, on screen, but it's also, there's also sort of the idea that things are in the zeitgeist, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, like if there's a a news story, um, like Ted Cruz, uh, uh, like Ted Cruz, whatever. And, and he made his announcement in Lynchburg, like 10 people are going to make a joke about there's a town called Lynchburg. Like right. you know, everybody's gonna have yeah. some joke about lynching, or you know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. or maybe not. But I, I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you, you. I don't know. I mean, I, I try to not 
get get my panties too much in a bunch about any of that stuff because it really is like when when you're thinking comedy like a lot of times and especially topical comedy like people will come up with the same joke like 10 people will come up with the same joke right um so yeah and if they do use enough of your jokes then they'll probably just end up hiring you yeah hopefully 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 they'll be cool yeah you just have to kind of hope i think it's like most things creative like you just hope it's people will be cool about it if they're going to use your material that they'll, you know, throw you some, throw you some dough or hire you or whatever. So, yeah. Right. (laughs) Now um, I'm assuming writing on a variety show like Ellen or uh, even writing on Wipeout, you're paid sort of not poor per script or per joke, just a flat rate based on your seniority level, a weekly rate. Right. It's, it's, weekly yeah so unfortunately we don't get those lovely um script fees that mm-hmm. people get but it can be like wipeout was a great steady job for me because it you know it went on for seven seasons and yeah. um our studio brilliant seasons oh I, thanks that show is highly <laughs> underrated I, I joked with ted i'm like yeah no absolutely i'd love to interview cc I watch True Detective and, you know, I watch uh, <laughs> Downton Abbey. But you know what? <laughs> you know, I'm not ashamed to say I watched Wipeout. You know, that was a great show. So. I'm um, glad you're not ashamed. A lot of people are. But but it's um, there is something, like, in our lizard brains. Yeah. That even after six seasons, I would watch somebody fall off of something and it would make me laugh. And I'd be, I can't believe I'm laughing at this. Like, it's so, <laughs> but there's something in our most primitive brain that is like that guy fell down and I am laughing at it because right. it's just knee jerk. Yeah. 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 No. And you anyway. know, if you can't laugh at that kind of stuff, I mean, sometimes you just need a little slapsticky fun. I mean, that's i think it's really important i yeah. think um i mean not not to say that what i do is super important um because it's not but <laughs> <laughs> um but i do think humor is insanely important i think you know comedy is really like you gotta have it you gotta you gotta see somebody get kicked in the nuts every now and then yeah and absolutely that's what the entire internet is based on yeah <laughs> um so you're on a on a variety show like ellen um how is the writing done is it just a bunch of you in a room throwing up jokes and then someone just organizes them into a show or you just say (laughs) hey you write this segment you write this segment how does that work um kind of what you just said like it's it's sort of it's sort of divided up because it's so quick like it has to happen so quickly Mm -hmm. um so basically one person is in charge of the monologue um, well, that was, that's how it worked on Ellen. It would be like one person would be in charge of the monologue and then everybody else would kind of be working on the rest of the comedy for the show. Um, you know, and you would pitch different ideas for monologues and, and kind of whoever had, whoever's idea one is the person who was writing the monologue or, or sometimes it was just assigned. And, um, and then, yeah, and then everybody else would be working on sort of the rest of the comedy, but it, but it's, you know, daily television is, is very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was a relatively small staff, although we only had about, it was only like 10 to 15 minutes of comedy up at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were games and stuff like that, that the comedy writers also produced. So there was always, there's always something going on. There was never like a, a moment. There really weren't a lot of um, time, uh, room times, you know, there wasn't a lot of time just to sit around and like 
make some punch something up or you know whatever which which is too bad but that's just kind of how daily television works right kind of write it as quickly as you can and get it on the air right (laughs) um so and then like our studio we all that was a slightly different uh, situation because it's late night and and he's doing a full monologue like you know a lot of times it would be like a 10 minute monologue or whatever so um everybody would write monologue jokes and then the head writer would kind of put the ones he liked the best together um and then Arsenio would read them and pick pick his jokes and then we would also you know be pitching at the same time like um drop-ins and bits and and stuff like that because that was you know 20 or 30 minutes of comedy that we did at the beginning of the show um and that was also a very small staff for late night usually usually a late night staff is about 10 to 15 people and we only had seven when we started. So that oh. was a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was fun. It was so fun. So, so, yeah. you know, Ellen and our senior are both obviously comedians first and foremost um, mm-hmm. and quick on their feet and very funny. How involved are they in the writing process? Do they oversee the whole thing or because it moves so quickly, it's just you're left to your own devices. And if they change something on the fly, they do, or if they, you know, come up with their own stuff on the fly they do but otherwise you're just left to give them a script and they'll work off of it as best they can um both both of them um most comedians i Mm -hmm. think uh want to be involved in the process most comedians are writers and even john henson on um wipeout would we had more time in that show and and we could like sit with him and kind of get his feedback and, and go through stuff with him and he would write great jokes too. So, um, but yeah, you know, a lot of times like Arsenio or Ellen or, or Mencia would come in and say like, I have a, I have this concept. I want to do a run on this. And then we would all write jokes, but he would have some of his own jokes or Ellen would have some of her own jokes. Um, and, and both were very sort of involved in what they, what they wanted and what they didn't want. So like, there would be before the show, like two or three hours before rehearsal um, on both shows, we would meet with Ellen or Arsenio and go through what the comedy that we were doing that day. And, you know, if they like invariably something would get killed and, and, you know, there would be some flop outs and there would be some um, discussion in the room about like, how can we make this funnier or what can we do? Or, or, you know, they would come in with jokes um, of their own and, and, you know, it's their voice. So they have to put their own spin on it for sure. Like they're the ones out there doing it. So, um, you know, it's your job as a writer to, to get them the funniest possible material, but then they also, it has to be, has to resonate with them and sound normal coming out of their mouth. Right. (laughs) Like, like I couldn't, you know, I, I love cats and I write a lot of jokes about my cat, but I can't, you know, Arsenio saying, I wish my cat loved me more. It wouldn't right. make any sense. Like it wouldn't sound right. Cause he's, you know, obviously he's not a, yeah, that guy cat hates lover. cats. Yeah. I don't know. No, no I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> he loves animals. Yeah. I, uh, I'm just kidding. But, but he's like, you know, he's a, he's a proud man. And, uh, and I don't think he would want to talk about being in love with cats. That's all. Right. Even if he loves um, <laughs> cats, he wouldn't tell people. I gotcha. <laughs> right. Maybe he wouldn't say, I don't know, maybe he yeah. would. He's, uh, he's very funny and, and kind of will go anywhere for a joke. But um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the point is you have to uh, you have to channel someone else's voice. And, and that's not always 
you know, that's not always possible. You're just not always going to hit it. Right. And, and then they'll have their own take on it, you know? Mm -hmm. Now it sounds like, uh, especially when you're writing for a specific person like uh, Ellen or Arsenio or Conan or Jimmy Fallon or whoever, you definitely have to be able to sort of get in someone else's head. Uh, very much like writing uh, on, for television where, again, you're not necessarily writing what you think is the best show. You're trying to write it in the same voice that the showrunner would. So you're basically yeah. creating you know, an extension of them writing the episode uh but is that different than writing for a show like wipeout because it too sort of has its own voice it has a style to it is that different in terms of your approach to writing jokes yeah i think um i, I think that's true any anywhere and mm -hmm. and it's so funny because like people i still know people that people that are successful in this industry but they still get really frustrated and mad like when a comedian won't take a joke that they love or whatever because it's not in the comedian's voice you know i mean it's mm -hmm. like like we all we all get attached and we we fall in love with things that we write and and we really want that to get on the air or out to the world or into the mouth of a comedian or what you know whatever but like it's <laughs> you yeah it's like what i was saying like you can't I, I can't write a waxing my legs joke for Arsenio because that doesn't make sense. He doesn't wax his legs, you know, like it's mm. just, no matter how good the waxing your legs joke is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you really do have to, um, it, it, it takes sort of, as I'm sure it is with, with other script writing that, you know, you have to kind of take your own ego out of it and, and take, you know, a little bit, take your own voice out of it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's important to keep your, perspective like one of the great things about Arsenio was he really really loved female comedians and really like uh cared about the female perspective and so and and he he could convey that in a great way so he wanted me to put my voice into the stuff that I wrote for him which I did and then he would you know he would take it and spin it in a way that it sounded like something that he would say you know that made sense for him but but yeah a lot of times you just kind of have to try to channel the person that you're writing for. Mm -hmm. um, I did a, a, I did a special um, funniest commercials of the year and Gabriel Iglesias was the host. Um, and I have very little in common with Gabriel. Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> but You both love cats. You got that. <laughs> we both love cats. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> um, he's a great guy and a hilarious comedian. I, you know, but I don't have, I, I'm, not a Mexican American and, and I, <laughs> um, I don't do voices like he does, but, but, you know, I watched a ton of his stand up and, and, um, tried to just think like him and, and write like him. And, and so he ended up, um, using a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff that I wrote actually for that special. Oh, cool. So yeah, you know, it's just, it's just that thing that I'm sure every writer that does television, um, goes through is, is that kind of thing of putting your ego aside and, and saying, okay, now I am this person. Right. <laughs> it's almost like an actor acting exercise, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Um, now, you, yeah. you did stand-up for a while? I did, yes. Now, how does one train to be a comedy writer? I mean, are you just funny inherently and then transit write a bunch of jokes and transition into it or is there <laughs> you know i mean is it yeah is there a process learning to write jokes 
Um, I'm assuming you didn't learn a ton about comedy, at least the comedy aspect of it at uh, AMDA when you said musical theater. Um, yeah, so, no. <laughs> so when you, where did you learn, you know, the process of writing comedy for variety shows and things of that nature? Um, you know, I, <laughs> there, there are comedy classes. Um, I actually taught one once at the request of a friend, just like a workshop. Um, but I had no idea how to do it. I was like, I don't <laughs> know how to teach comedy. Um, because I do think like, I think you have to be funny, um, inherently. And I think you have to have a sense of timing and whatever. Right. I, I definitely think it's something you could learn and get better at. Um, and I certainly have gotten better at it as I've gotten older and, and wiser. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I guess like, I, I just feel like it's one of those things where you kind of have to do it to, to get better at it. You know, it, um, like I started, doing stand-up and that definitely helped with my writing and I still every now and then will get up on stage just because it it helps me be better in the room it, it just you know helps me be quicker and and it activates a spot in my brain that isn't always working um so I think stand-up is great there's also um improv is probably great I never I didn't do a ton of improv but I feel like um you know UCB and the Groundlings and places like that like um, a lot of great writers come out of there just um, because it, it, it trains you to think funny and think fast. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be how you would go about it. But but if you uh, very few people, you know, would say I have no sense of humor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel like there's, there's a certain amount of, of funny in everybody. So it's, I think it's just about activating it. And, and like anything else, it's like watching stuff that is funny and reading stuff that is funny and, and, you know, going and watching comedy and, and stuff like that can also probably help. But, but I think that's like the training, I would say the best training is doing stand up or improv or something that's just absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and having to be, having to be funny with a gun to your head is, is probably how you learn how to really be funny. <laughs> is that what you did when you taught your class? You brought in a gun. Okay, who is going to make me laugh and who isn't? Let's find that out. <laughs> I just fired a shot into the ceiling. Yeah. I was like, all right, people, be funny. <laughs> um, but that touches on something else, that stand-up and comedy writing are sort of two different things. Obviously, as a stand-up, you have to write your own material. And so obviously, if you're a good stand-up, you're good at writing, but also performing. Um, because I noticed right. some of the best comedians, they're not their jokes aren't only funny, but their delivery is very, very funny. But are, are there a lot of comedy writers out there who may not, you know, they, they laugh at their own jokes in the middle of it, so they have a hard time telling jokes? Uh, are there people who you think would make better comedy writers than performers? Or is that something that over time with practice, they'll learn not to laugh at their own jokes and be able to tell jokes properly? Or I mean, I think Jimmy Fallon still laughs at his own jokes, but he's one of the most successful people in, That's true. Um, in LA. I, and I love him, by the way. I don't say that with any malice. I think he's great. And I, and I watch his show frequently. Um, yeah, and it didn't I, hurt him uh, at all. I mean, from Saturday Night Live days, yeah, exactly. I mean, he was just breaking on every scene he was in, he was breaking cracking up yeah. yeah um but but he's so delightful and likable it's like you just laugh with him so um but yeah I mean I think I think there are a lot of I know a lot of really great stand-ups who also write on you know in variety and and uh I, I think it's it's kind of important to be able to tell a joke 
uh, when you're, especially when you're doing variety or something like that, because you have to pitch jokes so often. Mm-hmm. Like if you, um, if you can't pitch a joke without laughing or, or somehow like tanking it or, or fucking it up, then you, you know, then your joke's not going to get on the air. Right. You have to be able to, to, in some sense, pitch jokes. Although <laughs> <laughs> it's, it can be really hard. Like, I, um, <laughs> there's a show, I don't know if you remember the show Chocolate News with David Allen Greer. I don't, but um, I love David Allen Greer. He's hilarious. And mm-hmm. it was a really funny show. Um, I, uh, the executive producer called me up, um, and asked me to write a packet for it. And he said, and this was after I did, I'd worked with him on My Name and Sia. And, and I was, uh, I was kind of, I'm, I, you know, I'm a little bit of an edgier uh, writer sometimes. And, and on that show, especially, it was an edgy show. So I did a lot of edgy writing. Um, so he called me up and he's like, Cece, I want your edgiest, I want your edgiest monologue. I want, like, I just want it to be about race and I want it to be really, like, insane and edgy. And it's from the point of view of a black man. So it's from the point of view of <laughs> David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I went, I, I don't, I wish I remembered anything from the monologue but um anyway I, I so i wrote i think it was two monologues that were super edgy and and super like just it, they would maybe be considered polarizing um from the point of view of a black man and so i go in for the meeting and i it's the two head writers this producer and david allen greer sitting there and they were like oh we didn't get a chance to read <laughs> We didn't get a chance to read your packet, or David hadn't read the packet. Um, so, could you perform <laughs> the monologue? <laughs> no, and I was like, "You're fucking kidding!" <laughs> it was that was the most. I did not get the job, and I shouldn't have because it was so awful. Um, <laughs> it was the most awkward meeting I've ever had in my life. Um, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm in front of David Allen Greer reading these like ridiculously edgy, um, monologues from the point of view of a black man. And I am a, a small white woman. <laughs> it, was just, it was the worst. That was the worst. So yeah, but you do have to be able to perform, I guess is my point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to wow. an extent. Um, yeah. in terms of a newer comedian, so let's say somebody wants to be a comedy writer. Um, and you know, there are a small white woman wants to write for, uh, a, a, a black man. Um, right. and they take classes, improv classes, they take stand-up classes, they do a little stand-up work. How do they transition if they want to write for television? How do they, there's no job fair there. How I mean, how, how, right, how yeah. do they make that transition? I have no idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> great. Thanks for getting no. Is that a good answer? Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, well, if you're, if you're doing stand-up, if you're in, it's definitely helpful to be somehow be in the comedy world, whether it's like doing stand-up or taking classes at UCB or, um, you know, if you have your own blog or your own YouTube channel, I, I mean, as much as I, I don't love Twitter, I have a love hate relationship with Twitter. I, you've got to be on Twitter, you know, you've got to be putting jokes out there all the time. And, and that's definitely helpful. And that's a way that, um, you know, if somebody wanted to contact you for your writing services, they could um, mm-hmm. just because you have an, an online presence and kind of, you know, someone can direct message you on Twitter or whatever. But um, right. also when you're in that world, you hear occasionally like, oh, hey, you know, the Late Late Show was cred- uh, with um, not Craig Ferguson, uh, James Corden is taking packets. 
And so right. then maybe you can talk to somebody. If you don't have an agent or a manager, you can, you know, some, some places do actually have open submissions. And I, and I said James Corden because I believe that that one was, he was looking for younger writers. He was looking for, um, you know, to kind of tap into uh, the millennial audience. And, and uh, he, they put out a pretty big, uh, pretty wide net for writers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was something where, like, I think, I think they just had an email that you could send it to as opposed to having to go through um, an agent or a manager. So, um, and that's kind of how I ended up in, like my very first job was, was because somebody saw me performing, but the, like the second job I got was um, a, a packet submission like that. It was, it was, um, I submitted something for Craig Ferguson and I didn't get that job, but then that head writer recommended me to a manager and I got a manager. So, you you know, so, so doing that, doing that um, hard work that we all hate, that's, you know, unpaid, whatever, like ultimately should pay off for you. If you, you know, if you are, are meant to be in this, uh, in this dumb industry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, your Twitter is actually funny. So I want to hear what, what is your love hate relationship? Because, you know, we'll give your Twitter, (laughs) Twitter, uh, handle, I guess they're called, um, at CC Pleasance, but you know, we'll remind people to, to uh, follow you. Uh, but you're very funny in it. So what, why do you hate Twitter? Um, I, I guess it's just, (laughs) um, I love it. I'll tell you why I love it first. Okay. I'll give I'll give you the good stuff first. Right. Um, I think it's I think it's great because I think it's it's definitely a good teaching tool, especially for me. I tend to be a little verbose, and it's great to have to have a limit on what you can write. <laughs> um, and so it's it's helped me be a more uh, efficient joke writer, which is cool. Um, and like I said earlier, I think it it provides such a great um, forum for like women and and minorities and people that normally maybe wouldn't get um, seen or wouldn't get traction. You know, like there are a lot of people who have like just blown up on Twitter and um, become you know gotten a gotten a sitcom deal or whatever. Like it's it's kind of you know it's kind of the new malt shop, mm-hmm. like <laughs> the way you can get discovered. Right. Um, so I think those things are awesome. Um, for me, it's just like the thing that I hate about it is just like I feel like I have to write a joke every day for Twitter, and some days I just don't feel like writing a joke. <laughs> I'm tired, or you know, and I'm not I'm not good at it. Like I'm not. Um, I'm just. I think you have to be on it all the time to, to be one of those people kind of blows up and, and I just, I can't do it. It, it, it makes me crazy. Like I, I, cause I, you know, there's so much to read and, um, Twitter and Facebook both like, uh, it it just can remind you of your own failure. You know, like (laughs) if you, if you get too deep into the hole, you're like, Oh my God, everybody has a better job than I do. And they're all riding on helicopters and going on vacations and, (laughs) <laughs> they're not so, <laughs> they're not I they just know, want you to think they lie. are <laughs> yeah. um so and and it is it's all a big lie but um you know if i if i get sucked into the hole too much it, it becomes like a, a a thing that i use to feel bad about myself which i am prone to doing anyway so <laughs> um so yeah i think it it just uh it ramps up my insecurities um but but otherwise i love it it's mostly it's great yeah i look at it like 
for me, it just seems like one more responsibility to try to post stuff on Twitter and Facebook and kind of not necessarily keeping up with the Joneses because everything that we post is related to what we do. Right. But it's like every time something you have to like post all these different places and, you know, Thankfully, Google Plus is dying, so that's one less that we can we have to worry oh, about. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, and you're I've constantly never gotten... post. What's that? I'm oh, sorry. You go ahead. No, um, I'm saying I've never. Okay. <laughs> no, you do yours, and then I'll do. Okay. Mine. No, just say it's just there's so much to to do. There's so much going on in life. It's so much work you have to do, and then oh, now I have to post on Twitter. Now I have to go do this on Facebook. It just seems like it's an extra responsibility that I don't really like doing, but yeah. you have to do it. It's exhausting. And yeah. I'm not like people keep saying, you got to do Instagram. You got to do Instagram. Mm. First of all, I'm a shitty photographer. Um, <laughs> and, and I, and I'm like, I don't even know what to take. Like if I, if I did Instagram, I'm on Instagram, I've got two pictures on there. Nice. If I, if I did it consistently, it would just be pictures of my dog and my right. cat. And, and I would look like the saddest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, or the most obsessed with I, your cat or dog. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not that they aren't great, but but then everybody's like, "Oh, all she has going on is her dog and her cat." Right. <laughs> it's real sad. <laughs> and on that note, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but I agree with you about the like the social media thing. It's it, it is exhausting. I take mm. a break from Facebook pretty regularly. I don't post a lot on Facebook. I just can't. I can't deal with it. And I, and I try not to read it even when I'm like, I'll give myself like 15 minutes a day to look and see if I, if anyone I know is dying or getting divorced or, or, you know, <laughs> getting married or whatever. But like, right. that, I just can't. Um, Thumbs up. You're getting a divorce. Yeah. There we go. I, I've done my social networking for the week. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there are some really, really funny people on, on Twitter and, and Facebook for me. I, I look at more what other people are doing than announcing what I'm doing because really I don't care about it that much. But, you know, I mean, some people yeah. do. And, you know, to keep up with friends, it's sometimes good to keep up with all of them in one place at, at a time rather than having to call or text or email everybody. Hey, what's going exactly. on in your life? You can just see it on a timeline. So that's that is kind of nice. It is nice. It's nice to be like, well, I wonder what's going on with so-and-so. And then right. you can just go on Facebook and, and find out that they just had a baby. And yeah. they're a jerk because he didn't send a present. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> like! That's their present. Like! Yeah. yeah. It's two weeks late, but like, there you go. Uh, what kind of comedy do you watch, listen to, enjoy? I mean, in, in, um, who are some of your favorite comedians? What kind of shows and things do you watch? I'm obsessed right now with um, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It, I, I love that show so much, and I um, it you makes mean, me you, want to write on, com- write, write scripted comedy. Uh huh. Um, I love I love it so much. Like it just it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's so hilarious and weird and joyful, and um, I love it. I haven't seen um, it. That's will... your, it's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the one on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the Tina Fey show. Um, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Uh, it's so funny. You have to watch it if you haven't. Yeah, no, I mean, I've um, seen every 30 Rock. I love Tina Fey. And... Yeah, she's she's kind of my hero. That's sort of, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of lady writers that's why we, say this, but... That's why we connected. She's my hero, too. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I love Louis C.K., yep. obviously. You gotta love him. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Eddie Pepitone. Uh, no. He's kind of 
thought of as the Canadian's comedian, and and uh, there's a documentary out about him. Um, I've known him for years, and he is he is the funniest person ever. Like he's so funny. He has this just ridiculously amazing mind. Um, if you don't know him, do yourself a favor and go look him up on YouTube. He he's just so fucking funny. <laughs> um, the first time I ever saw him was like in this little crummy open mic thing in New York City, and and uh, the MC introduced him as like Doctor Victor Poshenko or something. Nice. Um, and he came on stage and he started doing. I, I can't. I can't. I don't want to do his bit because I, I can't. I won't do it justice. But basically, he started doing all these really hacky jokes. Um, like, you know, about your sock in the dryer, you only get one sock out of the dryer, airplane food or whatever. And then in between them, he would say, I have just killed my wife and family. <laughs> and he was doing this whole thing about how he had um, murdered his wife and family while he was doing all these hacky jokes and half the audience was losing their minds and the other half just had no idea what to make of it. Like they were just confused and scared. Um, but that's the kind of comedy I really love. Gotcha. What's his name again? Eddie Pepitone. Okay. Um, P-E-P-I-T-O-N-E, I I think. Okay. So yeah, I'll definitely have to to check him out. Check check him out. Do yourself a favor. Um, and I really like Last Man on Earth. That's been enjoyable to watch. I, I enjoy Kristen Schaal a lot. Yeah, no, I think Um, she's hysterical. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard mixed things about it, but the cast is, is terrific. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's fun, and and I love I love seeing Kristen Schaal on on television. That's just great. She's so funny. And I like it, comedian wise, Louis C.K. I you know Arsenio is amazing. I I'm sad that his show isn't on the air. Not just because, not just because that was my job and I love right. it, but um you know also just because he was a different a different face in late night. Um, I'm glad we have Larry Wilmore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd love to get some women doing late night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but that, that said, I love, um, I love Jimmy Fallon. I think James Corden's going to be great. Uh, I love Conan and Jimmy Kimball and all those guys. Like, uh, you know, I, I think we have like a great bunch of comedians doing late night. I, I just want, I would love to see some diversity there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. a, a rumor that like Samantha B would take over for John Stewart, although I think she didn't she get another show somewhere along the lines. I uh, yeah, I think she it, she definitely was one of the names that was floated, and yeah. I think maybe she said she wasn't. I love Jessica Williams. I think she said she wasn't going to do it. Yeah, um, you know who knows? It's it's there. There are more. There's just more dudes out there doing this stuff. Yeah. So it's so it's tough to get. But but I think I think the more we kind of uh, force different people to to do different things for us. <laughs> The more, the more we force Jessica Williams to go and take over the Daily Show or whatever, you know. Like, right. Um, I think I'm sad Chelsea's off the air. Chelsea Handler, I thought she was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Joan Rivers. Uh, you know, it's, I love. I, um, I like Joan Rivers as a comedian, but I didn't really watch the fashion stuff so much. Well, yeah, if fashion's not your thing, you're not going to watch that show. But. Yeah. Um, Joan was amazing, and she and she made a lot of inroads for for female comedians for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, so she was great. Um, I love, Sarah Silverman is great. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I love her. I'm not alone in that. I'm sure. No. There's a lot of great up and coming comedians. I um, I've done three pilots now with Eliza Schlesinger. 
Um, she's really funny. I'm surprised she doesn't have a show yet. Um, who who else is like? There's so many funny ladies out there. I think I think we could do it. I think I hope that in the next you know five or ten years we have we have a lot of ladies in late night or just somewhere on the air, somewhere in the comedy world. Amy Schumer is amazing. It's great to see yeah, the show. Absolutely. Even if there's not a lot, at least a few that have their own show. <laughs> There, nice. there are more than there used to be. Yeah, that's sometimes, true. Sometimes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there was, there was she says with a question article. mark at the end. <laughs> yeah. There are more uh, than there used was... to be, question mark. Gotcha. I think. I yeah. don't know. Well, there was that depressing article about, um, was it in Variety or The Hollywood Reporter about um, recently that there are like 5% less females and minorities in, or maybe it was in WGA, like there are mm-hmm. 5% less females and minorities and on writing staff than there used to be so yeah that's sad but but we got to change that shit yo yeah um so get yeah. off the, get off the phone and go do change it let's right? go change so, it yeah i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna stage a march yeah in glendale just don't do it during rush hour because you'll make a lot of enemies i know uh, right yeah <laughs> i never understood that why people do protest marches in the middle of an urban area in the middle of rush hour trying to gain support for your cause. I mean, you get the yeah. attention, but you just get people hating you and your cause. Whatever right, that you're not be. getting anybody on your no. side, or at no. least not anybody who's driving. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyone who's who's stuck in traffic hates you and you know wants your cause right. to lose, whatever it may be. It could be for their own good. It could be, you know, lower tax. I don't care. I hate you people. Yeah. Get out of yeah. my way. You're, you're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> You, you've talked about what you like to watch in terms of comedy and things. And so that transitions us to a segment we like to do um, sort of to wrap up is reading, watching, playing and listening. Um, you've already talked about sort of watching comedy wise. But I mean, what are you reading, right. watching, playing? You know, if you play any sort of games, phone games or video games, even in musical instrument, I suppose, um, or listening oh. to. OK, reading. Uh-huh. Right now I'm reading um, a book called Swamplandia. Oh, I, yeah. My wife has that. Do you, do you know that. this book? I, I, yeah. don't, I, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know the name of the author. Karen something, I think. Yeah, um, I just remember the name anyway, Swamplandia. It was brilliant. I love that name. Swamplandia. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good book. I'm, I'm only uh, about 50 pages in, but it's great uh, so far. And watching, I'm watching Kimmy Schmidt. As mm-hmm. mentioned, I'm also watching Better Call Saul, which I enjoy. Brilliant, yeah. Um, and what else am I watching? There's so much on the TV. Yeah, those two are the ones that are like standing out in my mind as, as the big one. Um, listening, I just bought the new Megan Trainer album. I guess it's probably not that new now, but it's new to me and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. She's delightful. Mm-hmm. And then what was the other one? <laughs> uh, playing. Playing. To admit this, but I play Candy Crush a lot on my phone. A lot of people do. I mean, there's a reason it's so huge, you know. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Um, I also play the ukulele a little bit, um, but but I did it before it was cool. I just want to say that I did it before. <laughs> when the, uh, when did ukulele playing become cool? When when did I miss this trend? <laughs> I feel like every girl who wears vintage dresses and has straight across bangs like plays the ukulele. But but I did it before that phenomena started. Um, yeah, I yeah. Don't... So maybe it, maybe it isn't cool. Uh, it's not cool when I do it for sure. Okay, <laughs> okay, I got you. Um, yeah, because I, I just didn't know that you, playing ukulele was cool at any point in history. But okay, I could be wrong. 
I could be wrong. Well, thank you, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're, I, you're probably not wrong at all. <laughs> I'm the one who's wrong fundamentally, and you've taught me that. And um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for <laughs> crushing my dreams of being, yeah, going on tour, <laughs> playing the ukulele. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, do you have any sort of advice for aspiring comedy writers, or is there anything that you wanted to share? Oh, um, do something else. <laughs> there you go. Do something else. Just just give up right now. Walk away. Unless you're a woman or a minority and you want your own talk show, uh, you want your no. own you know late night show. Then otherwise, if you're not that, then just go away. Right? No, no, no. No, not at all. No. Okay. Um, I think I, you know, I guess my advice would be to keep keep your joy. Like absolutely, do comedy do stand up, do like, like get into writing variety. Um, there's always room for more people. Um, stay positive and keep laughing at stuff. Cause if you get to that point where you're the kind of person who watches things that are meant to be funny and you just don't laugh, like then, then somehow the joy has been sucked out of comedy for you. And I think that's a bad place to be. So, so just stay funny, stay open. I, I think the people that I think are the funniest, also are people who really laugh at stuff like who are who really appreciate comedy and and love to laugh and and you know just just like that's that's what we do for a living like if you get to make a living writing jokes that's amazing and and don't don't get bitter don't let yourself get you know sad and bitter and angry about it um because it's it's great it's fucking great yeah nobody <laughs> likes it. those bitter angry comedians <laughs> <laughs> and you know who they are. Likes them, but yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it's we do something that's really joyful. So yeah. I think I think it's really important to just just uh, don't don't get down, man. Don't don't compare yourself to other people. Just do your own thing and be funny and and love comedy and love being funny and love to laugh. Mm -hmm. That sounded really dorky, but uh, I'm a dork. That's very new age for the ukulele. Yeah, <laughs> no. very new agey. <laughs> Uh, that was very yeah. Jack Johnson of you, right? <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I want to go with my original answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just give up. <laughs> just walk away. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Cece. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Yeah, and make sure you follow Cece on Twitter, uh, at Cece Pleasance, and she tells a joke every single day without fail, right? <laughs> <laughs> just most, kidding. Almost every day. Uh, almost every day. Uh, and there's some <laughs> good ones on there. I, I, I went back and read a lot of them and I got some, some good laughs. Uh, oh, good. So, and if you have the questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> <laughs>